Hi, welcome to Restoration Church. This is Pastor Rachel. We are deep into a series on the presence of God. And so today we are talking about the presence of God restores. And we've been weaving in our core values. And today our core value is to bring restoration to broken relationships and systems to reflect God's original design. And we're going to have a little bit of a little picture and a big picture going here. So we're going to meet the Millers. We've got Mr. and Mrs. Miller. We've got Ralphie and Jane. And they're going to be our example that brings it down to our life and to our understanding when we're talking about some of the big picture issues that we're talking about today. So the first big picture we're going to talk about is this ideal in Genesis 1 and 2. And this ideal is in our spiritual DNA. We have this memory of the Garden of Eden. We have this memory where there was harmony, where there weren't power dynamics between man and woman, man and man, humans and animals. We have this memory of this intimacy with God and others. We have a memory of this rest before the creative work. It's an interesting thing I've been thinking about is that God worked for six days and then he rested But man rested before he worked. And so I wonder if there's something in that for us, some sort of sense that Sabbath should be about discovery, about thinking about our purpose coming up instead of just recovery. You know, we have in our memory this peace. There wasn't violence in the garden. There had been no bloodshed at that time. Even the animals got along. And then we have ultimately this these echoes of truth and beauty and goodness. And there's something that stirs in our soul that always wants to find truth and beauty and goodness around us. And I believe that that is in our spiritual DNA, that it was God's ideal for us. So let's take this into the Millers. So Mr. and Mrs. Miller meet and it's a quick romance and And they're totally in sync, totally happily married. And within the year, Mrs. Miller is pregnant with their first child, and they are blissful. And they haven't had any major fights, and and the pregnancy's gone real easy. And even the delivery, it's really kind of a breeze, and they bring little Ralphie home, and he's a good baby. And he sleeps really well, and they just feel like life is just complete. They're in this sense of the ideal. Back to the big picture in Genesis 3, we say sin sets in. You see, sin sets in, and then now we have power dynamics. They immediately result in Cain killing his brother Abel. Immediately, childbirth becomes really hard. Marriage becomes really hard. Work becomes really hard. Sabbath is just this desperate recovery day instead of this sense of purpose and discovery. There's a loss of intimacy with God and with others. The first bloodshed occurs as Adam and Eve kill animals to create clothing so they can cover themselves in front of God. Violence becomes the norm, which we see pretty quickly with Noah and the flood. So let's go back to our Millers. She gets pregnant again. And this time it's a little bit of a difficult pregnancy. In fact, it's difficult all the way through and she ends up having to have an emergency cesarean section with baby Jane when she comes up. And baby Jane's not quite as easy of a baby. 
And so there begins to be friction in the house. Ralphie's not excited to have a sister who is taking some of his shine. And so back to our big picture. Because of our corruption, God has to create boundaries with laws, 613 in all, 613 in the Torah, about things that were not his original ideal. You see, God never wanted to create laws about divorce. He did not intend for us to get divorced, but he has to create laws that say, hey, if you take a second wife, you have to prepare or you have to provide for the first wife. And he has to tell people that, you know, what they have to do to make things right in those cases. That was never his intent. He has to have this, this new reality means that God has to tell his people which animals to kill for food when that was never the intent. He has to create this complex temple sacrifice system to atone for sins that were never supposed to be there. This forbidden foods list is so long. You know, in the garden, they had one tree they couldn't eat from. But now there's this long list of foods that were not good for them. And God has to do things like provide instructions for how to be charitable, how to be generous. You had to leave the gleanings from your field. You couldn't harvest the entire field. You had to leave some for people who have less access to resources. He had to create this complex law system to protect humans from each other. It covered things like the ins and outs of slave holdings when we were never supposed to hold slaves. The ins and outs of debtors when we were never supposed to be in debt. The ins and outs of what to do if someone steals. That was never God's intent. And who knows that where there are boundaries, rebellion shows up. We're back to the Millers, mom and dad Miller. They never wanted this, but now they have to have all these boundaries and consequences. They have to create bedtimes. They have behavior charts on the wall. They have rules around food. Uh, now they have a timeout corner for ta- when you take something that's not yours. They basically are having to protect little humans from each other. And this causes fights and rebellion. And even the parents begin to have tension between them. See, here's the thing. There's a lot of talk lately about how the answer, the cure to our societal ills is this individual uh, salvation, and that's not wrong. If we are individually saved and transformed by that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and we begin to follow him, we begin to act like him, begin to be conformed to the ways of Jesus, yes, that will make a difference But it also is a reality that we have this sin caught up in us. And because we are caught up in the messiness of the reality, and even though we have these echoes and these desires towards the ideal, we still live in the reality. And we create messed up systems. And we ultimately protect this reality with those systems rather than the ideal. So for an example, you have an honor system. And everyone's going along and they're going with the honor system and they're putting their 50 cents in and they're taking their Coke out. And then one day somebody sees that somebody doesn't put their money in. So now it's locked up. And so now we have some sort of system that protects people from that. You see the ideal versus the reality. So think about a family system. And we say family is our identity. And we have this beautiful ideal of this cohesive, loving family unit where everyone supports and basically agrees with one another. But here's the messed up reality that we live in. 
sibling rivalry. It's real. We have divorce in families. We have unforgiveness that goes generations. We have church systems where we say greater love has no man than that he give his life for another. We have the sacrificial love. This is our ideal that God so loved the world and that his people represent that love so well with the kind of love that prefers one another, that sets aside your preferences in order to prefer another person. But here's our reality. We create all sorts of litmus tests for how people can earn the church's love. We create in systems that aren't very inclusive at all. We have community systems. I've been, uh, I read an article, a really interesting uh, interview this last week on the unhoused on the West Coast specifically. And, and Graham Press, who is an ethno-archaeologist, has been studying this, this people group for a long time. And he says the beautiful ideals that we respect different ways of living, different housing options, they're, they're choices that people make and we honor and respect it. But the messed up reality is that there are people tow, cities tow RVs because they're on the streets or they give them fines and we don't create safe parking spaces for people who have alternate housing. You know, besides having no openings most of the time, shelters don't work for a lot of people. If you have a family, they very often will split your family up and so many families don't want to take that risk. If you have medical issues, the shelter can't take care of you. If you're undocumented in any way, there's a risk of being found out in a shelter. If you're a pet owner, you can't come into a shelter. And so there's a 50% increase in RV living during COVID in Oakland. And so Graham Press was just in the most compassionate way talking about how important it is for us to create a true ideal for people who have different options for living. It's just one example. Another system is our, is our nation. We have political systems. We have this beautiful idea of this pendulum swinging, this two-party system, and the pendulum swings back and forth, and it keeps us from extremes. And then we have this civil discourse, and we learn from one another. But what we've seen in these last years in our reality, in the reality of our sin, is there, there's an angry division and it leads to extremist actions. And I would say the civil discourse right now is markedly uncivil. We have world systems. Think about wars. We have this beautiful ideal that rulers respect the sovereignty of all other rulers. And then we just trade and share resources. We barter. But here's the reality. I googled what is the main cause of wars. And the answer was competition over territory and resources. So the, the answer for us today is the kingdom system. You see, we have a system that we have access to as the people of God, that God's pure truth, beauty, and goodness, it's our compass. It guides us. It's, it's like our bumper pads at the bowling alley. When we start to get too far to one side or the other, it bounces us back into God's kingdom system. 
you know, we've talked about some of these corrupted systems that affect us. Now, I want you to just to think for a moment. I'll just give you a couple seconds to think about an example in your own life of ideal versus reality and maybe a family or a church or a community system where you have seen or felt the consequences of a system that does not protect well. But here's the good news. Then Jesus, then Jesus, he brings restoration. The cross brings reconciliation between us and God. And that leads us towards restoration. Acts 3, 18 through 21. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. And he's talking here about the crucifixion of Jesus. But in this way, God has fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn back so that your sins may be wiped away, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus the Christ, who has been appointed for you. Heaven must take him in until the time comes for the restoration of all things, which God announced long ago through his holy prophets. You see, we are in times of refreshings. When we're in the presence of God, we can expect times of refreshing. No matter what's going on around us, we stay focused on God so that we may experience the refreshing of his Holy Spirit. Because we begin to live into this final restoration of all things that will be even better, even more than the original Garden of Eden. Is that incredible to imagine? So Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, this is God's work in us. And he will carry it on until the day that Christ Jesus comes back, until the day of the restoration of all things. But we can begin to be drawn now into this imagination of that ideal. It's within us. It's within our spiritual DNA. And we long for it. And our spirits groan for it. This restoration of all things. We don't have to wait for heaven. We can begin living into our inheritance in this cultural context, it always requires the power of the indwelling presence of God. But we can commit to live in ways that shape us and others in our circle of influence where there is minimal power dynamics that destroy people. You see, that's a kingdom system. Where there's true intimacy with God and others, that is within the kingdom system where we are intentional in looking for truth, beauty, and goodness in every space. That is within the kingdom system that we rest before our creative work, not as a recovery, but as a discovery of our purpose within the kingdom system where we would have peace and not violence. That is within the kingdom system. The kingdom of God is the spiritual realm over which God reigns as king. And we look towards the fulfillment on earth of God's will. And that is our goal as believers, to live into the restoration of all things, into the fulfillment of God's will here on earth as in heaven. And we can absolutely do that with the help of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth by practicing the presence of God. So going back to the little picture with the Millers, they're in trouble. What would it look like for them to begin living into the restoration that God has promised? 
Think about some specific examples of ways they could change the reality. Think about some specific ways that you could change your family, your community, your church reality. Sit quietly with God and ask him to show you an area in your life where you need to begin living into the restoration of all things. What are you holding back from God? And so we begin to ask God what it might look like to begin to live into the restoration of all things. How might that change the way we live our daily lives? How might it shift our priorities? Well, I can tell you this, that in light of God's presence, We've been talking about all of these things in these last weeks, but in light of God's presence in us, we will live inspired and led by the Holy Spirit into a life of faithful spiritual practices that invites transformation. We are becoming like Jesus. That we will live inspired to grow together as a community, building deep relationships with each other and God, that we will live inspired to make space for diverse voices, celebrate our differences, and to protect the marginalized. And that we will live inspired to bring restoration to broken relationships and systems to reflect God's original design. God grant us a godly imagination for how to do that. We're going to close once again with Psalm 105.4. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to being with you again next week.